welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the internationally unsuccessful Matt. Hello, welcome to the final episode of the podcast. Oh, is it the last one? Yeah, <laughs> is I, it I that bad? We last, last week we were going to do some like docudrama next week. Yeah. But, no. I'm proud to introduce... Uh, you bring the robots, we bring the wars. Our new Robot Wars podcast starting next week. <laughs> so, is this just because uh, is this just dread for an adventure in space and time? You yeah, put in the I plug think, now. I think we're better off just canning the whole project. <laughs> it's, so, this is nothing against what we watched this week, which was the 1996 Paul McGann movie. No. No, and I, I do want to talk about that. I've actually made a Good. few notes I want to talk about just before we get to that. Yes, sure. Uh, the first of all, um, obviously we record a week in advance, so this might be old news by the time the program goes out. Mm. But we woke up this morning to the news of the passing of Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, and it's just... I don't know, still quite rocked. Yeah, I, I, I only because I, I, you know, I've been on like full time dad duties until nap time today. So like, literally, sort of midday today was the first time I had the chance to really glance at my phone properly, and I saw the news, and it just completely knocked me off my axis. I, I basically didn't do anything for about an hour, just sort of. Mm. You know, I, I, really, think... um, I haven't really processed it yet. Um, uh, but yeah, I have. So... I've basically watched all the best bits <laughs> on YouTube of all the different. Yeah. Avengers films because I think I've even said on the podcast that like Black Panther isn't necessarily my favorite Marvel film mm. because it's uh, you know your usual introducing a character MCU type film yeah but I was so stoked for Black Panther two and yeah I think, it was so exciting to see where they were going to take it from, yeah. from where where they they left it with the and, last one you know but, yeah. just just simply because it's not one of my favorites you can't understate the importance of that film. Oh, God, absolutely not. Yeah. You know, when, I mean... you, when you now know that he was inspiration, role model to an entire generation and an entire, well, race of people. Yeah. And to be doing that while so unwell, you know. God, yeah. The word I... hero doesn't really do it justice. No, it doesn't. It's, yeah, it's... it's... It's just it's extraordinary on 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 every level, and that obviously he was he was fa- facing that through with just immense dignity and stoicism and stuff, and it makes you realize in that respect how perfect the casting was. You know, mm. he genuinely like, yeah, there was a there was a regality to 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 him in real life. I think in some ways, you know, in, in, in the same in way as there was the on the current comic yeah. book canon. Black Panther is the leader of the Avengers now. That's how important yeah. that film is. You know, that yeah. would never have happened 10 years ago. Mm. Yeah, he's it's yeah, we we can't we we're, you know as we we the two of us aren't really in a position to 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 quantify how important Black Panther was to to a whole whole generation, but yeah, um an incredible loss, just an absolutely incredible loss. So uh, we won't dwell on it too much no. uh, because so, you know, as I say, by the time this comes out, we, you know, people will have had a bit of time to to, to process their feelings on it. I think, but uh, yeah, it still so, feels very raw for us right now. The next thing I want to move on to, yeah, obviously on the horizon, we've got episode one hundred. 
Mm-hmm. So poetry competition still going strong. There's still plenty of time to get submissions in for that. Uh, we've yes. had yeah. some questions come in. I'm excited about that. Um, the the person that sent them in and asked not to be named, but I, I mean, I have emailed a huge reply. He sent the kindest email that you could ever hope to read. Yeah, it was fantastic. I, I haven't had the chance to, to reply as well. I do kind of, I did want to reply in kind as well, but, but yes, I just want to say thank you to that listener that, that we were both so delighted to, to, to read your email. It was, it was really lovely to get the, that feedback. So, um, yeah. And, and some great questions were tucked in away in that email as well. So we'll, so we'll, we'll definitely enjoy talking about some of those, um, on episode 100 and i think some of them we might carry over onto the uh series 7 wrap up as well mm. sort of spread things out a little bit because we're going to have so much to do on mm. i uh, we're probably going to be pushing 2 hours on episode 100 I yeah feel like. i mean one of the things i did this week i i wasn't planning on doing it and i don't really know why i did it but i yeah. went all the way back and listened to episode 1 just to mm-hmm. see like what's going on what's changed yeah I mean, and I, I think we've got better. <laughs> you I think? Mean, yeah, I mean, when you listen to episode one, like, first and foremost, we have to sort of excuse all the racial slurs that you use. <laughs> I mean, we've managed to nip that in the bud. <laughs> and I think we've got better. I, I think there's a point, and if I had to quantify it, I'm going to say it's around episode... 85 where we just stopped caring and i think that's where it got got more fun maybe maybe certainly that's the point around which i gave up any pretense of you ever actually being fully on board with doctor who yeah well (laughs) i think we are where we are at this point you've watched enough of it to know how you feel yeah well that leads me into sort of the big thing that i need to discuss before we get into talking about this show Sure. So I watched the episode, I watched the film, and yeah. I, I put a message out on Reddit, and it's the first time I've put a serious message out on Reddit. Yeah. And I, I was curious whether when this film came out, whether it was a big deal or not. Mm. You know, I, I I was 11 at the time, and I wasn't that interested, so it sort of passed me by other than actually watching it. Yeah. Whereas I remember the series reboot being a bit of a big deal. Yeah. Like a television event. So I just put a message out saying, you know, can anyone just shed a bit of light on this? Was it seen as this big deal? Mm-hmm. And I, I got like quite a few nice responses, um, you know, pointing me in different directions. And one of them, um, strangely enough, I've deleted it off my phone. Uh, I got pointed towards, it was a 90 minute documentary on YouTube about um the making of this film in terms of the wilderness years so that sounds brilliant and i want to watch that i've never um, seen it but uh, so yeah it's called to... doctor who review part 9 the wilderness years uh by... oh you know what i reckon i know um which series that is the fact that you said part 9 i've seen the thumbnails for them on youtube i've not yeah. dived into them but they are well reviewed like... uh, they... And the response to those documentaries. I, I enjoyed watching it more than yeah. I enjoy watching a lot of Doctor Who. So it's yeah. by Clever Dick Films. Um, yeah, was, yeah. I think he puts a lot of time to me by like yeah. three or four different people on Reddit. Yeah. So, uh, so they are fa- they they are fan productions, but but like he puts a lot of time and effort and uh, research into you, them. You so. could easily call them professional. 
They're yeah. very well made. Um, so what I wanted to do before we get into this is yeah. I've put together what I'm calling the wilderness years according to Matt. Okay. Okay. So I've this. got the full story from the end of Sylvester McCoy up yeah. to the making of this film. Great. Okay. Go for it. So we start in 1989. Yes. Where Doctor Who is struggling in the ratings mm-hmm. because it's been placed alongside Coronation Street. Yeah. Okay. So I think I'm right in saying when I looked on the viewing figures, Doctor Who was struggling to get 3 million viewers, Doctor, uh, whereas Coronation Street was averaging up to about 5 million people at the yeah. time. Okay. Yeah. And then my hero, Peter Cregan, came and just cancelled Doctor Who. Yeah. So it was seen as like an expensive project that wasn't reaping the rewards. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say it was that expensive given the budgets they had towards the end. Uh, but uh, yeah, there were there were a lot of people gunning for Doctor Who at that point. Um, I've oh, why am I blanking on the guy's name? Another executive in the BBC. Um. It doesn't matter. Who was Peter quite, Cregan's quite our like Lord yeah. and Saviour. He's the one who finally put the final nail in the coffin. So yeah. yeah. So according to the BBC, it wasn't necessarily cancelled. They were just looking for production companies to make it cheaper elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So it was cancelled in the August of nineteen eighty nine. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important we look at Coronation Street in nineteen eighty nine. Uh-huh. And I went on a fan wiki, and I've actually got the storyline that was going on in August 1989 in Coronation Street. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. So, having this is the 9th of August. Having gathered her evidence, Emily Bishop confronts Mike Baldwin over his secret plans to sell his factory. Oh. That's... An... <sighs> 16th of August. So it must have only been on, like, once a week at this point. Possibly. Mother of two, Gail Tilsley, begins a relationship with Martin Platt, who's ten years her junior. Gosh, scandalous. Okay. On to the 28th of August, Mike Baldwin completes the sale of his factory to the builder Morris Jones. Some of the (laughs) residents start to fear for their jobs. Oh, man. And here's the conclusion of that arc. On the 30th of August, the women are locked out the factory and lose their jobs after its sale. I mean, I'm not saying it's necessarily bad, but I mean, surely it's you know, is that more interesting than the average Doctor Who episode? Well, I also followed it through to the sixth of December. I I just sort of read it, and yeah. I I must have been watching Coronation Street at this point because one of my earliest mm-hmm. like television memories is the sixth of December, nineteen eighty nine, when right. the McDonald family move into number eleven. I can remember wow. that episode. That's crazy. Yeah. Right. So, back to Doctor Who. <sighs> yes. So, the idea that it's not necessarily cancelled. But yeah. what happened was they started publishing books of the old stories. They did. Because... Well, you've, well you've, got, you've got a mix when it comes to the books. You've got the novelizations of the old stories, which have been going on since, I believe, the... Late sixties, early seventies, I think the target novelizations. But then you, what has starts to happen in the wilderness years is new stories, the 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 virgin new adventures. Yeah. Is that what you're referring people to? People didn't like them. 
Because it was all sexy and raunchy, and it had drugs. Well, it and depends stuff who you it. ask. There, there is a whole generation of fans who adore those stories. Yeah, losers. Yeah. Okay. Then we have the Day of Action. Are you aware of the Day of Action? I'm not aware of the Day of Action. What's what happened on the Day of Action? Uh, it, it's it's a little bit like Browncoats Day. Um, are you aware of Browncoats Day? Um, is that something to do with Firefly? Yeah. So every year, right. I can't remember the exact date. People will just buy copies of uh, Firefly from like Amazon, so it shoots uh-huh. up to like number one in the charts. Right. Uh, so the day of action was. I mean, I say, can I just say this as hand on heart, as as a genuine massive Firefly fan? It's time to let it go, people. Yeah. We let it go. Yeah. Maybe there'll be some kind of reboot or something one day, but you, we, you're not getting serious. We don't too. need it. So the day yeah. of action was led by I haven't written his name down, but I want you to imagine the biggest fucking nerd loser you can because I watched an interview with him. Mm. And is he, it Ian Levine? Uh, it could be. He he encouraged. <laughs> He's quite quite a notorious person within Doctor Who fandom. For so he encouraged stuff. everyone yeah. to call the BBC headquarters and say, "When's Doctor Who coming back?" Right. Yeah. Uh, it was unsuccessful. Yeah, poor receptionists. Yeah, apparently they were bombarded calls. with calls, but I'm sure they were. But you know, frankly, it will only take. You know, you only need to organise two or three hundred people to completely overwhelm a switchboard. You know, that's not that's not any great indication of of appetite within the general public, is it? <laughs> so then we yeah. reach the thirtieth anniversary of Doctor yeah. Who. When the BBC teased a huge surprise. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. And we are going to watch it one day. No, 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 we're not even there yet. <laughs> oh, we're not even at Dimensions no, no, no. of Time. No, so no. everyone yeah. was led to believe there was going to be new episodes and it was going to be perfect. Yeah. And on the day that the BBC had teased this huge surprise, it was simply that they were going to release some of the old episodes on VHS. <laughs> wow, that's a kick in the teeth. So... Yeah, people were absolutely fuming. Yeah. And then we get to Dimensions in Time. Yes, yeah. Now, I don't necessarily want to say too much about it just now, because as I say, I am intending that we will do it, uh, at the very least, a bonus episode on, on Dimensions in Time one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, just have, haven't picked the right slot for it yet. Yeah. But yeah, if people aren't aware of it, what we'll say for now is it was... Um, a possibly somewhat ill-conceived mini-episode that was made as part of... Do you remember, uh, Matt, what are your memories of the 3D TV weekend? Uh, Well, again, it was mentioned in this documentary that it it was not a huge success. I I can't really remember it. You see, it's one of my earliest Doctor Who memories, Dimensions in Time. Okay. I definitely watched it. I remember watching it because I remember being very excited about 3D TV weekend. I watched the the Mr. Blobby music video premiere with my 3D TV uh, glasses on and uh, all the rest of it. Yeah, I was super on board for it. Um, I remember being utterly mystified by Dimensions in Time. Um, it, I mean, it, it, it has gone down in history as one of the worst things to ever happen, you yeah. know, in relation to Doctor Who. The guy Doctor that was Who. doing the review video, he seemed yeah. fairly level-headed. Like, yeah. I, I quite 
respected his viewpoint, and yeah. he said it, it's it's terrible. Yeah, I mean, it was aired as part of Noel's house party. Yeah, and it was like a choose your own adventure, <laughs> and we know what mm. that's like. Mm. Yeah, so we we will definitely tackle dimensions in time in full one day. I can't say I promise you when, listeners, but we will we will do it. Don't you worry. <laughs> right. So then, moving forward. Yeah. The rumours of the show coming back sort of picked up again. Yeah. And people wanted Michael Crawford to be the Doctor. Oof, yeah. That's, you see, that, that is a classic example of what... Do you remember what I, said, what I said before about tabloid papers in particular? Always think it's going to be a comedic actor. Mm. And I don't know where they get that from, because whilst the Doctor... As a character, has comedic elements. It has so rarely actually been a, a full-on, like famous comedy char- uh, character actor actually playing the role. Mm. Um, but that seems to be well, the default. It, assumption. it was then linked with Amblin Entertainment, Steven Spielberg's. Yes. Um, yeah. And there were three big names linked with playing Doctor Who. Uh huh. Okay. The first of which was Tom Hanks. Yeah. And he pretty much said, um, I'm a big fan of Doctor Who. I don't think it should be an American actor. Yeah. I find that hard to believe that Tom Hanks is a big fan of Doctor Who. Well, I just think it's an easy way out. I think he just Mm -hmm. knew it was going to be crap and was just like, oh, no, I'll nobly step back. Yeah, that seems like a a very... uh, uh, Seems like like a a more likely uh, explanation Then they approached Harrison Ford... I mean, I guess you got the Amblin link, so... Yeah, and he just went, was, I'm not was a television not actor. Yes, yeah. Then, and also, can you imagine Harrison Ford no. as the Doctor? Imagine trying to get him yeah. to do some of the, like, slapstick comedy. Could you see Harrison or, Ford eating fish fingers yeah. and custard? Or rattling off the sort of technobabble explanations at 100 words a second. He's not that kind of actor. Then... There was Jim Carrey. Yeah. And he said, well, I'm not a fan of Doctor Who, so I won't know what I'm doing. I don't want to do it. Yeah, which also is is valid. And then, eventually, the writers settled on Paul McGann after they'd flirted with Liam Cunningham for years. Yeah. And um, well, yes, they, 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 they actually, there were lots of names. This is the thing. There were so many different names that were thrown around. In, in the run-up to this. Because at the end of the day, anyone can play this part. Mm. Really, all you need is a charismatic actor. It doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. Though I will say, you, you know, thinking about the likes of, first of all, Americans, I, I, yeah, I don't think really Americans is the way to go with Doctor. I, I think they need to be British, personally. I feel like there's, it's just such, a, in, such an intrinsically British show that I would think it would be kind of strange to suddenly have an American or an Australian or mm. somebody play, playing the part. Um, but also, I think my one stipulation for casting the Doctor is that they cannot be a conventional leading actor. Mm. Now, even when you've got someone who is undeniably handsome, like David Tennant, he's he's very attractive, but he is not a conventional Hollywood star kind of attractive no, you know, and, he's a little and, bit gangly and a little bit... And the thing you know, is, I, I mean, I think Matt Smith's probably the best example of this. Because, yeah. you know, he is a handsome guy. 
Yeah. But he's able to portray other vulnerabilities. And I don't yeah. think we'd get that with Harrison Ford. Oh, God, absolutely not. It, it, it just it, so, it, it boggles the mind that they'd ever consider Harrison Ford because it's just so far off the mark of what this character is. But, yeah, so I've got a list here of, of some of the people who actually auditioned for the part. Liam Cunningham, who we've mentioned previously. Uh, Mark McGann, Paul McGann's brother. Yeah. Um, Robert Lindsay, Tim McKinnery. Uh, Nathaniel Parker, is that not a name I'm familiar with? Do you know who that is? No. I'm just looking at here. Play the lead in BBC crime drama, uh, Inspector Lindley Mysteries. Okay. So there you go, some guy. Um, John I, Sessions. I could probably again Robert Lindsay because he's a serious actor that has done comedy. Yes, yeah. Robert Lindsay, I think, makes more sense than some of the ones on this list. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Head. Okay, yeah, again, I could yeah. see it. Though, to be honest, probably better as the master. I would say. Oh, 100%. He's got that and demon headmaster presence, hasn't he? Exactly. Well, the, you remember he played effectively that part in uh, School mm. Reunion. And and in some ways, it's a bit of a shame that they didn't hold on to him for, for a character like the master because he would have been so good as that. But um, And Tony Slattery, again, you know, a com- really someone best known as a comedian. Yeah. Um, not really right for the part. But... Amongst others, yeah, Paul McGann was was auditioned. And one thing I wanted to mention here is there is some footage of Paul McGann's uh, audition. Yes, it's in the yeah. uh, documentary. Oh, you've seen the watched. clip. Yeah, it's amazing because what happens is he's 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 rattling through this dreadful script, and you know you can see he's losing interest and focus in it as he's blurting out this expositional nonsense and the, the a director or producer somebody just kind of nudges him and just says excited paul and at that exact moment his face lights up and i'm like oh my god it's the eighth doctor mm. it just happened in that instant there he is um and i feel like the the producers must have had the same experience mm. seeing him in the room because um, what I what do you want to say, and we'll, we'll talk, talk about it more when we get into the episode proper. This epi- this movie doesn't get everything right, but casting Paul McGann mm. was perfect. Well, from from there in the documentary I watched, it had a little yeah. interview with McGann sat with yeah. Sylvester McCoy. Oh right, and I've just written I like Sylvester McCoy a lot more than I like the Seventh Doctor. Yeah, he seems like a lovely bloke, Sylvester McCoy. I have, I, I bear him no ill will. Right now, one of my favourite yeah. things about this documentary, and I, I yes. don't even know whether you know this, is once he was cast. Yeah. Um, I think they gave him something like a week in which he had to fly over to America. Yeah. And when McGann landed, he'd shaved all his hair off. <laughs> um, and he he pretty much just said, "Ah, oh, I thought this could be like." the first Doctor that had a skinhead. And, and the yeah. producers just went, no, 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 no. So they had to spend £5,000 getting him a wig. Oh, my God. It did, did it cost that much? £5,000 for that hairpiece. Because it's dreadful. It uh, is a dreadful wig. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then that, that sort of leads us up to this film. But then there's a yeah. few little bits I just wanted to talk about as well. For example, did you know when this film was broadcast in the UK, it was heavily edited because it aired the same week as the Dunblane Massacre? No, I wasn't aware of that. So, yeah, so the version I originally saw would have would have not been the full version. Yeah, though. I mean, the, yeah. the one I watched online um, 
for, for those of you that don't know, the Dunblane Massacre was a school shooting in Scotland. Yeah. And it, it was actually the school where tennis star Andy Murray goes. Uh, I did not he, know that. He was in the school at the time of the Dunblane Massacre. Wow. Um, wow. No idea about that. Um, so I, when I watched it, because I knew that bit of trivia, I was keeping an eye out. And I can only recall one use of a gun in the entire film. And yeah. it's when Grace shoots the policeman's motorbike. Yeah. Um, so you think all of that... Uh, well, well I think perhaps have... the version I watched this week was yeah. maybe the edited version. Really? Because there's a lot of there's a lot more gun action at the start. Did you did you oh, see? I suppose, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that you've said that bit, yeah, yeah. I think I think you must. I, I don't think the edited version is doing the rounds these days. I, I'm I'm pretty sure you would have seen the full version. Mm. I hope so. Anyway, so um, so in the UK, nine million people watched this. Yeah, which we was, were ready for this. It was seen as quite a big success. Yeah, but I the, mean, the, I can I can I talk about my personal experience of it at this point? Go on. Because I was so excited for this. I remember being... It was probably my, one, one of my earliest memories of actual hype for something coming out. You know, on on the level of you know how people got hyped for things like Avengers movies and stuff like that. I was so hyped for this Doctor Who movie. And that's because even though, you know, I'd had bad experiences, you know, with things like Dimensions in Time... Doctor Who always had this allure to me. Just the basic idea of it and the fact that you had all these different actors playing the part at different times, I was fascinated by it. And I already definitely had some fondness for it because my my absolute earliest Doctor Who memories are watching the Peter Cushing movies. Is that which I had taped off the TV? Sorry? Is that the one called Spearhead from Space? No, there were two. Ah, see, when I listen to episode one this week, you say that your earliest Doctor Who memory is watching Spearhead from Space. I said what one? It's one of my earliest memories. I think my absolute earliest is the Peter Cushing movies. Okay. Um, and and I'm not sure if it's Spearhead from Space or Terror of the Autons. It's definitely one of the Auton stories with Pertwee, but I can't remember which one. It's really hard to piece together because I definitely watched some repeats on BBC Two when they were on. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they fall in relation to other stuff, but. Yeah, to reiterate, I definitely had some conception of Doctor Who, even though it wasn't very robust at that time. Um, and I was just so excited for this. I think my mum was excited for it too. She's always been a sort of casual Doctor Who fan. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I have such strong memories of me, my brother and my mum all sitting down to watch this film together. And I I liked it. At the time, see, I, <laughs> like I, I had very little frame of reference for it, but I, I'm going to talk about my memory of it later on because there's one scene I, I sort of vividly remembered, right? Um, and the rest was a bit wishy washy, yeah. Um, but we we mentioned then nine million people watched it in the UK, only five million watched it in the US. Do you know why that yeah. was? Um. Presumably, well, there are so, going to be so many factors. I don't know what the specific one you're wanting to alluding to is, but. I mean, I guess it wasn't well promoted for starters. Well, it, it was, actually. There was quite was a it? large marketing budget All right. in America. Okay. Um, yeah. It's because it ran at the same time as the series finale of Roseanne. That is a mistake. So this got 5 million <laughs> viewers, and the episode of Roseanne where her husband yeah. Dan has a heart attack 
got yeah. 21 million viewers. Yeah. That's what on earth were they doing? Going trying to go up against that. Well, it's a fitting end because subsequently uh Roseanne recently brought back her sitcom and uh-huh. it got cancelled due to her tweeting some racist slurs. So Yes, yeah. So she apologized for comparing ex Obama aide Valerie Jarrett, an African American, to an ape, and said the comment had cost her everything. Mm-hmm. Well, you get what you you deserve. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she still has millions of dollars, so, you know... Yeah, but at least she's not happy. <laughs> we can take some crumb of comfort you know, from that. We just yeah. know she hasn't got everything she wants. Yes. So. Um, but anyway, yeah. Um, I wonder what would have happened if this had actually been successful. Because obviously, the, the what we're driving at here is the fact that this was a co-production with Fox, um, and it was designed to bring... Doctor Who to an American audience mm-hmm. as mu- as well as a British audience. Because they basically, I think rightly assumed, there is a sizable chunk of the British public who will lap up anything Doctor Who related just kind of like by default. So really tapping into the American market, that's that's the big hill to climb mm-hmm. if that's what you want to do. Um, and I think it's very telling that, it, you know, obviously there are reasons, as you say, why it didn't do well. But I think... I can't. I can't imagine this actually spawning a series, mm-hmm. or certainly not going for more than one if it had, because there there is, there are too many issues here. I think. Yeah. There are too many things that this does wrong. But um, is it time to talk about uh, to actually like get stuck into it? We've been going nearly half an hour, you know. Yeah, I think it yeah. probably is. So. I mean, I say that, but the first thing I need to ask you is, yep. are we calling this Doctor Who, or are we calling it Doctor Who the television movie? I usually clarify it as Doctor Who the TV movie, because, okay. um, or just Doctor Who the movie. Right. Um, so, so it was broadcast the 12th of May, 1996, but that was in Canada. Yes. 27th yeah. of May in the UK. So we open at Planet Scarrow. Yeah. And, and the trial of inst- the master. Instantly, we are seeing some of the problems with this movie laid bare, aren't we? Mm. Bearing in mind, the the whole idea of this movie is to introduce Doctor Who to new audiences. And, and it's right so off, inaccessible. Right off the bat, you've got Scaro, Daleks and the master. If, all of which will mean nothing to half the people if watching. If we hadn't done two years of watching Doctor Who, I wouldn't have had a clue. I don't know <laughs> yeah. how I watched this as a child. You just go with it. You go. You watch anything when you're a kid, don't you? You just absorb it all, regardless of whether it makes a lick of sense. Mm. Um, but yeah, what what a mistake that is. Yeah. And when you look at the, um, the, the the audition tape that we mentioned earlier, that, that um, what I've seen of that, the dialogue in that is even worse. It's all stuff about um, uh, Rassilon and, and the Doctor's oh, parentage yeah. and that, you know, the Master is actually the Doctor's brother and, you know, it's even more inaccessible. So this, this production, I think, was always slightly doomed because the producers were, I think too concerned with sticking to pre-established canon and building on that and wanting to do something that was a continuation 
Mm-hmm. Um, but even having said that, it feels like they only have a surface level understanding of Doctor Who canon because then why the hell are the Daleks putting the Master on trial? Well, I was going to ask that. Like, is this like a loose conclusion to a story at the end of McCoy that I've somehow missed? No, because do you not remember? McCoy blew Scarrow up in the one episode of McCoy we've watched. Oh, yeah. But it's back. And now the Daleks are putting the Master on trial because apparently the Daleks are arbiters of justice. Yeah. It's it so bizarre. <laughs> it's a starting point. Yeah. So, the, plus, if he's on trial and sentenced to death as this, like, intergalactic criminal... Yes. What right does he have to make a final request? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely none. And so the Daleks panic because Daleks, well known for being pushovers. Yeah. <laughs> of course so, they say, yeah, go right ahead. So he's his final uh, request is that the Doctor take yeah. his remains back to Gallifrey. Yeah. The idea that the Doctor could set foot on, on Scarrow and not immediately be, you know, yeah. uh, most wanted by the Daleks is so... I I don't I have no headcanon for it as well. It's one of those bits that I can't. I just have to basically ignore the existence of. And they could have just made it any other planet. Yeah. If if they'd made it that the master was put on trial by the Time Lords. Yeah. Fine. Do that. We've seen that they love a good trial. There's a whole arc, like a whole series long arc of Colin Baker uh, era Doctor Who called Trial of a Time Lord where the Doctor is put on trial just do that but for the Master anyway (laughs) right now I'm going to say perhaps the most controversial thing I have to say about this episode go for it it has the best version of the Doctor Who theme you're nearly right uh, uh, it's my second favourite it doesn't quite eclipse the Peter Howell arrangement, which debuted with the Fifth Doctor, um, but it is very close for me. It, um, it reminded me of the John Williams Superman score. Do you, it, do you know why? Do you know why it is? I don't know whether you you you'll know off the top of your head, but what makes this one so different and it, so special? It's orchestral, rather it's orchestr- than rather than synthy and bassy yeah, yeah but but the, you know the 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 current the most new who stuff is predominantly orchestral the 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 versions of the theme we've got in the new show but the key difference is it starts with the middle eight the middle yeah, section that heroic so it starts with the big heroic part of the theme mm. and then goes into the mysterious dum bit so it, it, it kind of just turns it on its head. So, And I think it's quite interestingly, I think it's quite indicative of one of the aims of this film itself, which was to kind of shift the Doctor into a more conventional, heroic lead. And there are other, other decisions made in this, uh, in this movie that I think, again, belie that that was part of the plan here and i don't know how conscious it was to do that in terms of the theme but i think it it is an interesting reflection of that desire to emphasize the heroicness of this character over the mystery of the character so yeah from there they mentioned the 13 lives of a time lord they do yeah i mean 
up until last week, I believed in that, but now I know there's 14. <laughs> At least. Yeah, if not more. Um, and we find McCoy alone on the TARDIS. Yes. Do you know how much that TARDIS set cost? A fair whack, I should say. One million dollars. That was a mistake. I yeah. mean, to, to be fair, it's a lovely set. The, I don't love all of the TARDIS interior stuff, but the central console is one of my favourites. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the I like the expansiveness of the set. I like, you know, the armchair and the record player. and the, I, I love it when there's a bit of furniture mm. in the set where it looks a little more homely. Yeah, but then also it's quite stately. It's like it's like a big old stately house, isn't it? Yeah, that central room. I think that the stu- the the other parts of the set around the Eye of Harmony and stuff like that get gets a little bit too Indiana Jones for me. But but that central console room, I really quite like. Mm. Uh, one of my favorite TARDIS interiors, actually. So he's pretty much just hanging out, eating jelly babies, reading yeah. the time machine. And again, can I say, this is another... uh, Again, we're getting, I think, probably our second major mistake of this movie in that they've started with McCoy. Do you think? Yeah, don't do it. Because one of of the key lessons that I think RTD learned from watching this and seeing the failure of this movie... Do a clean break. Yeah, start with a new Doctor, worry about the continuity later. Or maybe not at all. Doesn't matter, people go with it. But if you've got a lead character that you want people to follow and, and fall in love with. Don't mm. start with a previous incarnation. McGann isn't on screen for the first 20 odd minutes of this yeah. film. Such yeah. a mistake. Uh, but having said that, I, you know, kudos to McCoy who, who, who was always on record as saying is if they ever revive it and they want me to do a regeneration and pa- pass the baton, I'll happily do it. And well, he did. they didn't want him. That well, well, there was tension around it. The producers yeah, that's did. That's why he barely speaks or yeah. anything. Yeah, the producers did, um, but I think those around the BBC were very reticent to have McCoy back because they wasn't there. Even I remember reading there was so, they some of them were even like, why did we just get Tom Baker? Yeah, because and he have, was like the most recognisable yeah, in America. So have Tom Baker? Imagine if they'd gone with that and had Tom Baker regenerated to Paul McGann. How screwed up would that have been? I would love that. Because it would just immediately invalidate Davison, Colin Baker and McCoy. Yeah. <laughs> they would, and make two sort of branching timelines for the Doctor at that point. Mm. Um, so I'm glad that in that respect that they did do it. But I also think ultimately it's one of the things that contributes to the failure of this uh, this uh, movie. Um but hey ho, we've got McCoy. He's there. He's reading the time machine. Couldn't be any more on the nose. Oh no, wait, it could because the record he's listening to starts glitching on the word time. Yeah. As the master's box of ashes opens. Uh, except yeah. it's not a box of ashes. It contains like horrible slime. The master's now yeah. a slimy beast. Yeah, did you did you know that when time lords are executed they turn into a, a load of CGI gloop? Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, I I don't profess to love Doctor Who, but yeah, I feel I could do better. <laughs> in in terms of a plot, it's just like yeah. oh, we've got this well-established villain, 
Shall we turn him into a ghost snake? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. What what better use of him? Yeah. Um, yeah, there is just there are some very strange choices that were made in the making of this uh, movie. So as um, the news yeah. enters the TARDIS console, there's a critical timing malfunction. The Doctor realizes the Master's free, and the TARDIS plummets to Earth. Yeah, we that sort of sets the stage of what we're going to be seeing. It does. Uh, we're in San Francisco. We are because, in of course, 1999. Because everything in the late 90s was all about that millennium. Oh, people were so they were mad for the millennium. Loved a bit of millennium. Did us yeah. late 90s uh, folk. And um, also, a trope of that time that seems to have died out in yeah. movies, Asian gang activity. Yeah. Oh, that, that dates it in a really not in a good way. No. Because um, off the top of my head, I can remember that happening in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. I'm pretty certain it happens in Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. It just seemed to be everywhere at that time. It was. It's. It's one of the... There are many things about this movie that just make it the most nineties a thing could ever be, and yeah, that is that is one of those things. Um, you say San Francisco; it's actually Vancouver. Oh, it was uh, it? Yeah, you'd be amazed how much shot, uh, stuff that's set in America is actually shot in Vancouver. Yeah, it's. I think they. It's I one know of those Melbourne in Australia is really popular as well. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot. There are certain cities where they just like they offer enormous tax breaks to TV production and film production companies, and uh, so they just become established as as towns whose economy are in part based on that. Um, so but, yeah, as we get sort of this gunfight, the TARDIS appears round one of the boys. Yeah, and that's not really explained because we—I don't think we see him leave the TARDIS. He just appears outside. It no, because I think he's—he's he's behind it. Ah, like the, right. But it's—it it does look like it's materializing around him in the way that we've seen happen in the modern series. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, that's not what what seems to happen in this case. And then, uh, I mean, I—I I was going to say this is my favorite bit of the whole film, uh-huh. but given what we've mentioned about the Dumbledore massacre, I maybe won't say that. But McCoy exits and is shot dead. Well, almost. well, not technically dead, not, but he certainly he's on he's on the ropes as a result. I of watched just that being... bit where he got shot about eight times, <laughs> laughing all the way through <laughs> like a madman. It's a very ignominious departure for a I doctor, mean, isn't it? All the other deaths I've seen of doctors has been like noble sacrifice, saving yes. the world. Incredible yeah. amounts of energy entering his body, yeah. you know, and here he's just picked off. In well, back he's, alley. well, first of all, he's riddled with bullets by just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, and then what finally finishes him off is essentially medical malpractice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got a couple it's... of. Uh, I got a couple of messages in relation to that when I put that yeah. post on. Uh, read it yeah people were just basically saying that the real enemy here is the american healthcare system <laughs> yeah <laughs> kind of is yeah um, so yeah in amongst all yes. this the rest of the gang members flee leaving behind chang lee yeah uh, who says he'll call an ambulance yeah um and just as he is losing consciousness the doctor sees the master ooze out of the tardis yes yeah. Okay. 
So once on the ambulance, I yep. put, is this medic Maroney from Batman? And it is. It's Eric Roberts. It is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know who his sister is? Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. Yeah, yeah I never that knew is... that until like a couple of days ago. It's literally the only thing I know about Eric Roberts. I don't know that... I mean, you say he was in Batman, so sure, I will have seen him in that Yeah, so he's time, in but... the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogies as, like, the head of the mob. Uh, okay, I'll be honest. The, the Nolan trilogy, I have seen... I saw Batman Begins once, and I saw most of the Dark Knight, and I did not enjoy them, so I stopped mm. watching them. Yeah. I'm just not into those movies. I, I, sure, if you like them, that's great, but they, they do nothing for me. See, I, I really enjoy them, and I'm quite excited about the new one. Yeah. That's coming out. I'll be honest, I'm just not a big Batman fan. Really? Uh, my favourite Batman is, hand on heart, it's Adam West Batman. I, I think we have this conversation, like, once every two months and forget We probably about do, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 uh, it's no secret I've got a giant Batman tattoo. Uh, yeah, I love the character. Yeah, you know. I get why people love it. it. Don't get me wrong; I'm not knocking anyone who likes any iteration of Batman. Just as as superheroes go, he's just not really my bag. He's just a bit too, bit too grumpy, Maybe a bit too up his own on ass. Your podcast next week, we'll do a Batman one, and you can be the negative, like cantankerous <laughs> one, and I'll, I'll play the role of David. Uh, that might be interesting. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yes, back to this, uh, this so, nonsense. <laughs> this is where we find out it's New Year's Eve. Yeah. Um, um, and for some reason, I mean, I, I got the reference, but for some reason, Chang Lee signs the paperwork as John Smith. Obviously, we know that's a name the Doctor goes by sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But why didn't he just put John Doe if he didn't know his name? Well, the thing is, I don't think he wanted them to to think that he didn't know him. Uh, he was acting yeah. like he was a friend of the family because he wanted dibs on anything. Yes, that's right. He might be able to claim. So, so uh, yeah. They arrive at the hospital and pretty much for the first third of this film, as always, every scene ends with the master slime just sliding about. So here we see yeah. it leave the ambulance. How much money do you think they spent on oh, CGI slime? Too much. <laughs> that money should have been used to just honour the actors' contracts and cancel yeah. the project. <laughs> just like, oh, we, we're paying you all off. We've decided it's a no-go. Yeah. Honestly, though, like, I guess those that, that was cutting-edge CGI slime for the time. Yeah. But... Yeah. Uh, it's not good. Anyway. <laughs> so the doctor is x-rayed, which reveals two hearts. Yeah. So they contact the hospital's lead cardiologist, mm-hmm. Grace Holloway. Yes. Okay. Uh, she's at the opera yeah. and she needs to leave. And then I've just put, her boyfriend gives her unnecessary amount of shit. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, I've got to go save someone's life. And he's like, oh God, don't you know how much these tickets cost? Yeah, oh. it's like... Okay. Like, doesn't he actually ring her at the hospital to give her loads of shit? He does, yeah. So, lots to unpack there. First of all, um, again, this is one of the examples of how incredibly 90s is. Grace Holloway, as a character, is the most 90s kind of archetype uh, feminist character. If they just wrote that character out, and replaced yeah. her with Dana Scully from the X-Files, there'd be no difference. Exactly, yeah. 
Like, uh, I, I got the feeling that's entirely what the vibe they were going for with her. Oh, they one hundred percent. A little bit of more attitude, a... maybe, than yeah. Scully, but they, 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 this was, you know, we were kind of. Would would we be like peak X Files, or certainly oh, it was getting to be a hit? Yeah, at this point, was around ninety six. So, like yeah. I say, when I mean, I think last week I said I was eleven, but it was earlier in the year, so I was only ten when this came out. Yeah. That was prime X Files, I would say. Yeah, I mean, really, there are so many touch points in terms of things that this this is it, vibes that this movie is trying to 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 tap into. You've got X Files. I'd say a little bit of ER with the hospital drama stuff. But it's um, it's almost as if it doesn't have thirty years of its own law to draw upon. Exactly, it riffs on everything except yeah. Doctor Who. I mean, we'll get to it, but obviously Terminator is a is a reference point. The Bible, it's <laughs> yeah. on the Bible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's so uh, yeah. But anyway, so right. Grace Holloway is a character. She's and the other thing I wanted to mention is if you were a consultant cardiologist and you're on call, you know you're on call that night. You just don't t- go to the fucking opera. Plus, I refuse to accept. <laughs> When she arrives at the hospital, yeah, admittedly she's come straight from the opera. She's got all dolled yeah. up. They yeah. would definitely have a spare set of scrubs she could wear. She does not need to perform heart surgery in a ball gown. No, it's it's purely just a. They just a, put a, a doctor's coat on her over a big ball gown. I know it's ridiculous. It's it's like obviously just because they want to kind of. It's it's just a, a, conf, a concoction for TV. That isn't it. Yeah, nobody would ever do that in real life. Um, but yeah, so that the whole th- the whole setup's kind of ridiculous. But it it gives us at least at least we know where we stand with with Grace as a character. You know, she's she's brilliant. She's a brilliant doctor. She's dedicated to the job. She's inquisitive. She's cultured. She's having boyfriend trouble. You know, we can all relate to that, can't we? Mm. Um, Typical yeah. men. Yeah. So. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. The doctor wakes up and asks for an atomic clock. Yeah. So they begin to sedate him. The surgery goes wrong and they fail to resuscitate him. Grace yes. is then perplexed by his two hearts. Uh huh. She then goes to meet Chang Lee as the man that brought the doctor in. To tell him so th- this is she she this is the point which th- this version of the doctor dies right yes you know so um a, a couple of other things to note here like there are there is like the hospital administrator is there with some i guess investors oh, kind of yeah. showing off his his one of his star hires um and then sort of quietly ushers them away when she's obviously killing a patient <laughs> yeah um and uh that's right because she kills him because she's following what she believes is human physiology yeah and And she's getting completely sort of lost in the process because it's an alien body Mm. um but yeah and and they they uh so they yeah that's that that's it for mccoy So what a way to go! I know he knew he even as as not a McCoy fan, you must admit he deserved better. Oh yeah, I'll definitely like salute his like determination you know, to honor the role, despite the fact he's getting absolutely crapped on. 
even even Tom Baker, who who we you haven't seen his regeneration, but like basically he just <laughs> falls off an aerial. Oh really? It, but, would would you say that's the worst in um, show regeneration? I don't know. It's because there's there's aspects of Baker's regeneration where the whole episode around it, there's like a lot of mystery and like there's a portentous quality to it. So right. um, I, w- I won't get into the weeds in terms of how that's executed. It's not my favourite, I will say. I think most people would point to Caves of Androzani, the fifth Doctor's regeneration, as one of the best in terms of it, a noble sacrifice. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, M- McCoy definitely, I think, is bottom of the barrel in terms of like not getting the chance to do anything remotely heroic. <laughs> so, she tells Changli the Doctor's dead. Yeah. And works out that Changli never actually knew the Doctor. And I yeah, think he's... it's at this point he just sort of runs away with all the Doctor's stuff. Yes. And then we cut back to Bruce, who is Eric Roberts's character, yeah. who doesn't realise that the Master is in his jacket... Uh-huh. And I've put I've put in brackets at this point, and also now a snake. Yeah. Um. I, I just I I have no answer for this. Like I I'm like I say, if I was a child watching this, and I did watch it as a child, I have no idea how I kept up with this, and it's probably why I can't remember it because I'm not able yeah. to form any rational links. Before between... I rewatch this, I definitely remembered the goose snake. Oh, That's no. one of the bits that stuck in my head as freaking me out. But, yeah, a lot of the surrounding nonsense had completely been ejected from my brain. Um, so, we then yeah. cut to some coroners who are the worst characters in this film by an infinite distance. And I'm going to yeah. talk about one of them in detail a little bit later on. Yes, yeah, because okay. he keeps popping back up. And he's awful. Like, yeah. whoever wrote this. I mean, to be fair, uh, well, not to be fair, really. Um, uh, the the actor is not good. No. The actor playing the part is just really, uh, he seems out of his depth Yeah. in this production. And this is not a quality production. So uh, I don't know if he's been in stuff since. Maybe uh, It's probably fairly early in his career. I'll give give him benefit of the doubt and all of that. But uh, it's not a great performance. But also just like, yeah, just extremely unprofessional. Like, on, on like an in-universe level. Like, yeah, I, he's just like watching TV. <laughs> like fucking eating. Yeah. Just... I just... I, I guess, I mean, is he coroner or is he just a porter? I think he might just be like a hospital porter. Either but way. But even so, you'd think he'd have more work to do. That he wouldn't yeah. be able to just sit around watching old monster movies. Yeah. Um, anyway. So then the master snake goes in Bruce's mouth. <sighs> yeah. And the doctor regenerates. And that's whilst the coroner is watching Frankenstein. So there's another yeah. thing that it rips off. Yeah, they really lean into like the body horror angle of regeneration, which is very strange because it's never been presented in that way previously. Mm. Like, yes, we will we will acknowledge that it's sad that even though this is an act of renewal and and and, and, and continuation that that in a way something is being lost mm. by transitioning from one 
doctor to the next um but we don't get that sense at all here we like it there's this horrible like face bone cracking business going on and like it's a little bit werewolves of london isn't it yeah it's storming outside and And we get him rather than like knocking on the door to leave the morgue he's like punching through it yeah because apparently when the doctor regenerates he has super strength for a bit yeah yeah don't know why he's never used that before yeah it's the whole thing is just it's it's such a weird regeneration so he scene. punches his way out the morgue yeah. and walks about for a bit. And this is yeah. the bit I meant in terms of the Bible, because he's got like yeah. a white sheet round him, like a shawl. Uh-huh. He's got the long hair. Yeah. And it it did remind me a little bit of Christ. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, I don't know if, I know you've rejected Christ from your life, so you might not I want have. to talk about this. Yeah. No, I'm, um, I'm more than happy to. I mean, there, let's be honest, it's not the most on the nose the show has ever been in terms of Christ analogies. Well, I, I think, think when he falls to his knees in the pouring rain with his arms stretched out, <laughs> you know, looking to the heavens, asking, <laughs> who am I? Who am I? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not great, but I would still say the the ser- series three finale is worse, where where the Doctor is basically revived by the power of prayer and oh, belief really? in him. Do you not remember that when he's when he's turned into a into a little goblin by the Master? Uh-huh. Like he's you know where he's aged thousands of years in the oh, one body yes, and he's yes, in yes. a little cage. Yeah. And... Sorry, when you said series three, I thought you were talking about classic Who, but yeah. No, no I'm talking about Modern Who. Yeah. And yeah, and like Ma- Martha's fix for that is basically get every every everyone to kind of think of the word Doctor at the same time. Yeah. And that revives him magically because of a psychic network um yes uh, oh that that to me is like and because do you remember he's like he's standing and he's glowing and he's got his arms outstretched yeah. and he's that got that to heavenly me, glow around him yeah that to me is peak doctor as jesus i don't yeah. think it's ever been more on the nose than that but uh but anyway yeah this isn't far off <laughs> so chang Lee is going through the doctor's stuff and finds a sonic screwdriver yeah and what do you think of this sonic design uh, not my favourite. It's a little I bit. I quite like it. It's a little bit too sleek and futuristic for me. Uh, I I find it, I like it, I like it because it's a bit understated. Mm. You know, I think I, I I like Matt Smith's one sometimes, but it's a bit chunky. It's a bit like toy like. Yeah. Uh, this one feels a little more elegant. But so yeah. the Doctor is looking for some clothes to put on, and he steals the Morgue guy's fancy dress. Yes, it's a Wild Bill Hickok costume. Yeah. This is not the first time the Doctor has taken it, stolen his clothes uh, for his costume from a hospital, nor will no. it be the last. Because d- we saw that with Matt Smith, didn't we? We did, and he'd previously done it as the third Doctor. Uh, Pertwee okay. nicks his clothes from a hospital. Um, so this is just, yeah, this is very on brand. Mm-hmm. Um, now, but yeah, how do you th- how do you feel about this costume for for the Eighth Doctor? Um, I, once it's explained what it is, yeah, I quite like it because you know even Colin Baker, who's silly, he still yeah. sort of always wears smart garb. You know, it's yeah. always a jacket and shirt. You, trousers. You, yeah, you've got you've got to have some kind of slightly flowing coat. I yeah, think, with the Doctor. Yeah, 
And, you know, you know it, it's not entirely dissimilar to clothes we've seen him wear. So No, it's it, it's not. It's just, I don't know, to me it feels slightly cheapened by the fact that we know it's a fancy dress costume. Well, yeah, because, yeah, like, Pertwee's Doctor didn't dress dissimilar to this. No, there is yeah, there is a dandyish. He always had that like it. velvet yeah. coat and thing. Yeah, slightly less ostentatious cuffs in the case of eight, but uh, otherwise not not a world away. So um, then then we come to what I think's the worst part of the film. Really? Uh, uh, yeah, I was bantering with one of our listeners, James, about this on yeah. Twitter, um, and it's the morgue guy again. Uh huh. And it's where I. Again, I watched this two or three times to work out what was going on. And he just shouts mid-sentence. Oh, yeah. This so, is the moment. So Grace, yeah. Grace says, oh, are you telling me you just got up and walked away? And he goes, oh, well, I don't know. He maybe went to a better hospital. Yeah. And it's and just I, like, I'm, I mean, is this a bad hospital? Is this a good hospital? What? No, I, th- I think what the actor is going for here is like frustrated sarcasm like uh like you know are oh, you you dumb idiot what 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 other explanation is there like because she's not believing him that this guy's just got up and walked away and he's just seen it happen and is freaked out but the performance is not it's it's uh it's very clumsily done so it doesn't it doesn't land at all it just seems like he's just gone insane yeah i don't um, know it was just such a jarring moment it is jarring <laughs> you know i would I mean, say it's quite the worst bit i i don't know i'm struggling to think what is the what uh, do i hate the most I, in this I'm, movie? I'm gonna talk about one bit that i thought was so bad it's actually really funny yeah like, i that's the worst part in terms of just being outright bad yeah but there's bits to come that are so bad uh, there, I had a bit of a whale of a time with this film. I don't yeah, like, like is, I sort of laughed all my way through it because there it is, is a there is a deliciousness to it at times where it's yeah. just like I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, um, and there's also there are some moments where it's frustratingly actually brilliant. There are some little flashes here and there where I'm just like, oh my god, just give me ten times more of that. Yeah, and 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 this could actually have been good. So it's just like it's such a weird, frustrating watch, especially with the knowledge of knowing what came after and how good modern Doctor Who can be. It's uh, it, yeah, it's it's it, as an art, as a cultural artifact uh, artifact. It is fascinating. Yeah, um, it, and like I yes. say, it's quite funny because when I, I mentioned it to James, our listener. He immediately knew the part I was talking about. Yeah, we may as well have watched it together. Like, <laughs> you know. I wonder if I can guess. I, I, I won't. I won't. But uh, I think I have an inkling as to what it might be. What um, I think's the worst part. Yeah, like the best worst part. Yeah, we'll get to yeah. it. Um, so the Doctor recognizes Grace. Yeah, and then he has a long, hard think about the word time. Yeah. Um, He's like got full on amnesia right now. Yeah, which is you know, he's trying to piece it together. Bless him. Yeah, he is. He is. Is this where he finds the probe sticking out of his chest? Uh, not quite. Not quite. I'll I'll warn you though. That's the on. That's only the end of page one of my notes, and I've got two more to go. Let's blast through them then. Come right. On. So the head of the hospital then burns the X-ray with two hearts on it to try and lift gra- uh, blame from Grace. 
Yeah, insanity. We're just going to have to gloss over that. Yeah, because she wants the x-ray because she thinks the doctor is the next step in, like, human biology Uh and... Yeah, well, certainly, as a science-minded person, you're going to want to delve deeper into that, aren't you? You're not just going to want to throw it in the bin. Um, but, yeah, it's, he's, it's, it's this whole, like, subplot of, like, is it meant to be a critique of the American healthcare system? I think maybe slightly, but it's so undercooked that it doesn't go anywhere. So, Grace threatens to quit and then seemingly does. Yeah. The doctor gets in a lift with her and stands awkwardly close. <laughs> yeah. I did read something on the internet today that made me laugh. And it was like, when we get in lifts, why does everyone turn round to face the door? Wouldn't it be weird if someone just didn't? <laughs> I'm going to do true. that next time I'm in a lift. Just, <laughs> just walk forward. The wall. <laughs> um, so the doctor yeah, asks whether Grace knows him. And it's at this point he pulls the probe out that she yeah. left in him. And Again, we're getting just like a sort of another touch of body horror in this, which is kind of unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, I, gu- I guess from a plot point of view, it it serves the pu- it serves the purpose of convincing Grace that this is somehow the same yeah. person. But, uh, yeah. So, the master goes looking for the doctor. Yeah. So we haven't really mentioned this, but the reason the master is now hunting the doctor is he wants his Gallifreyan body, yes, in order to like take the rest of his regenerations, yeah, to extend this the is... life of the master. Yeah. To be fair, this is on brand for the master. He has previously run out of regenerations and come up with harebrained schemes to preserve prolong his own life. Hmm. So but there's point here that i just want to talk about when he's talking to one of the nurses in the hospital he pulls his own fingernail off yeah and when i looked into that because again that's just out of nowhere apparently throughout the film there was going to be like the doctor's sorry the master's human body yeah was beginning to fail him it couldn't sustain him yeah Uh, but they didn't have the budget to like fully support that all the way through. Yeah, yeah. So we just got this one thing where he pulls a fingernail off. Yeah, and then he he mentions it to Lee a little bit later, and then also towards the end he coughs a bit. Yeah, and that, <laughs> that's what they managed to do to uh, to underscore that. But yeah, um, so like I say, at least in terms of motivations for the master, this is as I say on brand for him. But uh, the way it goes about it is really dumb. So, Grace returns home with the Doctor. Brian has moved out. That's her boyfriend. And has taken all his stuff with him. So, he didn't mess about there, did he? No. This is all in the same evening. Apparently, the the opera incident was the final straw for Brian. Because she even says, like, oh, he's taken the sofa. So, he must have been waiting to break up with her. Yeah. After the opera, he was waiting to pull the trigger. Yeah, he must have had, like, a mate with a pickup truck on standby. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, yeah. We could call back to uh, Rodrigo. He's got a big moving van, hasn't he? This is... And this scene, again, it's another thing where I feel like this could come have come straight out of a 90s rom-com. Yeah. So there's, like, yet another American flavour... Like a nineties American media 
thing being sort of crowbarred into Doctor Who in a slightly unnatural way. Um, yeah. And yeah, that vibe kind of continues a bit all the way through this scene at, at Grace's house mm. with the Doctor, the way they're interacting and stuff. Yeah, because she like listens to his heartbeats and he's speaking yeah. really softly to her. Yeah. And yeah. she doesn't believe in regeneration or anything like that. Yeah. So we then go back to Chang Lee, who goes back yeah. to the TARDIS, and he's got a TARDIS key that's different to any we've seen. Mm-hmm. It's like a weird little... It's like a plectrum. Yes, it, it is. Now, I was reading, so I was having a little skim, as I like to do, on the IMDB trivia, and I have not fact-checked this, because I cannot remember it consciously from when I was watching the Third Doctor era, but apparently... This key is based on the version that the third Doctor used. Okay. And Pertwee specifically, like, had a hand in designing it because he was, like, saying, oh, I don't want to have just an ordinary Yale key. I think that looks... It should look more alien than that. Yeah. So he apparently sort of... sort of stuck his oar in with a production team and they had to cobble together this this weird-looking key for him. Um... And that's the version that they decided to go with for this. Personally, I like the Yale key. Mm. I like the sort of mundanity of it. Well, it, um, it ties in with the fact that like the TARDIS is a bit knackered and yeah, you know, yeah, looks and, like and a police box. Exactly. Yeah. So that's my preference. But anyway, that's not the key we get in this story. So yeah, yeah. So Chang Lee is back on the TARDIS. The Master's already on board. I don't know how he got there. Maybe just oozed his way in. Probably. Who do, who knows? Yeah. And he controls Chang Li for a little bit and commands him to help him find the Doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to jump back and forth between scenes, but I might as well talk about the next thing the Master does. Yeah, He says that the Doctor stole the TARDIS from him. Yes. And he also claims yeah. that the Doctor is Genghis Khan. Yeah, he's like spinning these these uh, lies for for Lee. It's not clear to me if Lee is being like action. Is the master doing any psycho like actual like telepathic manipulation here? He's not, is he? He's or is just... he just talking shit? Yeah, and and Lee is credulous enough to go along with it. Mm. Because the thing is, I just like it. He is so obviously evil, like. Eric Roberts' performance, he's doing nothing to hide how evil oh, this no. guy is. So I don't I know why... I mean, Lee he's wearing like blackout dumb. shades and a big long leather coat. Yeah. You know, it, he, I think he's even gone on record as saying that like he took inspiration from the Terminator. Oh yeah, 100%. It's like it's such a, a Terminator rip-off, that look. Um, so he offers Chang Lee the gold dust, and we know yeah. that he... The Doctor uses gold against the Cybermen. That, yeah, that's the best explanation for why he'd have it lying around. Yeah. Uh, Chang Lee wants it, so they go to look at the cloister that has the Eye of Harmony in it. Yeah. Now, I, I wanted to check, and I didn't get around to it, whether this is the earliest mention of the Eye of Harmony as mm-hmm. part of, of the TARDIS system. Um because it is referenced later, like it was referenced in yeah. Journey to the Central Tardis, and I'm pretty sure in between as well. Um, 
and I cannot remember. Certainly, this is the, I'm pretty sure this is the first time it's ever actually visualized on screen, and I hate everything about the Eye of Harmony in this. Well, it can just like, do anything the plot needs it to do. It can, and also the the design of it, the look of it. As I say, it's like it's like Indiana Jones shit. It's like, you know, this stone thing with engravings on it and like these magical pillars on the four corners either side of it. And it's, it's, I don't know what is it. it to me, it feels so, so incongruous. And yes, Doctor Who is closer to a science fantasy than a, than a hard science fiction show. But this is like something out of, Lord of the Rings or something. It's that level of fantasy to mm. me. In that it's just this this magical orb <laughs> surrounded yeah. by ancient staffs with runes on and uh, I yeah. don't know. It just it's just a bit too much for me. I would like to have liked something that looked a little more technological. Yeah. I suppose. So Chang opens it by pulling out the staff. Yeah. And whilst all this has been happening, the Doctor goes for a walk with Grace to try yes. and remember. And he freaks out, remembers who he is, and kisses Grace. So I just want to unpack this in a little bit, because for me, this has got one of my favourite Eighth Doctor moments in it. Where he's sort of rambling along, trying to piece together bits of his memory. And he's borrowed some, some of Brian's shoes that Brian had about, took the sofa, but apparently forgot his shoes. Um, so the Doctor's like taking these shoes out for a walk to wear them in a bit and he's just rambling on and then mid-sentence suddenly says yes and Grace is like what and he goes these shoes they fit perfectly and just like that to me is one of those moments where just like oh yes this is the eighth doctor we should have had Mm. you know the slightly scatterbrained romantic I don't know. It just that moment works for me, and even though, though it's one of the most controversial moments in this whole film, the kiss, mm-hmm. I don't hate it. Well, you know, you know, last week when we were talking about who's the toughest doctor, yeah, who do you think's the most handsome doctor? McGann, one hundred percent. Yeah, he he's got a beautiful lover's face. He is absolutely gorgeous in this and mm. you know he has he is well preserved as well like in terms of if we were like ranking the doctor the the male doctors in terms of how gay i am for them like paul mcgann is like 100 percent at the top of the the, the pile Who do you think's the ugliest doctor uh, <laughs> uh I, I wouldn't say ugliest but certainly i would I wouldn't be rushing to snog Troughton. It must be nah, said. I imagine it's... he tastes like tobacco. <laughs> Especially with, with the Beatles haircut. That didn't do him any favours. What about McCoy? Like, little troll man. <laughs> Again, it, I'd, I'd say he's bringing up the rear. Um, um, I'd quite like a cuddle off Colin Baker, I think. Yeah, oh yeah. Tom, Tom Baker would be, be too good, pointy good to cuddle. <laughs> And like, can you imagine like him staring at you with those mad bulging eyes of his yeah. after snogging him? And no yeah. one cuddles Pertwee. No, but you'd feel very safe. I'd feel you? safe, but he's the sort of one that like, if you went for a cuddle, he'd be like, oh, get off, you puffed <laughs> You know, he, he's too tough for all that. 
Yeah. But anyway, but yeah, no, I don't I don't blame Grace when she says do that again to, to McGann because like however crazy this man is, he is very easy on the eye. Right. Um, so looking in the eye, Bruce well, I've said Bruce, it's the master now, isn't it? And yeah. Changley see the old doctor, then they see uh-huh. the new doctor, and yeah. then tell me about this. We find out the doctor's half human. Yeah. <laughs> Again, this is probably... I don't know whether the kiss or this is the most controversial thing. It kind of... They, they're they both up there in terms of, like... It's quite a curveball, isn't it? Mm. And the general... The general treatment... Uh, the, sh- the, the the fandom and the show at large has, have, has taken since is to just completely ignore it. Mm. Not to outright try and rewrite it but to just be like mm, no 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 we're not we're not touching no, that this all not knowing like source yeah. of knowledge was wrong on this one <laughs> yeah now of course there are those out there who are quite happy with the whole half human thing and just go along with it and like it's part of their headcanon but if it, essentially it is just up to you as a viewer whether you want that to be part of your canon for Doctor Who or not. No. Personally, well, I think it, it's fine. It doesn't bother me either way. <laughs> well, they're obviously trying to do a little bit of Spock there, aren't they? Yeah. and You see, I, do, I don't mind it because I think all it does is it helps to ground our understanding of why the Doctor is so concerned with human beings and why he spends so much of his time protecting Earth in particular. Obviously, we know the the out-of-universe reason why, but within-universe, it's a good explanation, I think, to be like, well, you know, he's got got a considerable affection for humans in part because he is half-human. That's not a stretch to me. See, I had two sort of ways of rationalising that point. Yeah. Number one... If they looked into it at the exact moment he was kissing Grace, it might just get confused. <laughs> yeah. You know, because two different organisms together, it might have just misread it. But also, based on what we know about River Song, I just think Time Lords are the next step of human evolution. Yeah, and that's, she that is a theory time, that some people like. like yeah. She becomes like a Time Lord, basically. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Um, but it doesn't matter either way, and people shouldn't, shouldn't get their knickers in a twist over it, for sure. No. no, it's not like it comes up later as a relevant plot point in this movie. I mean, I guess it does a bit, doesn't it? I yeah, get, but, it's very uh, important. Um, you know... <laughs> so the, the Doctor then realises the Master's plan, that's to steal his body. Uh-huh. The Eye is the power source at the heart of the TARDIS. Yeah. If the Doctor looks into the eye, his soul will disappear. And seemingly, the Earth will be sucked into it as well. So, somehow it's going to rip the Doctor's soul out of his body. But yeah. if Earth's going to get sucked in, the Doctor's body's going in as well. Yeah. So, I don't... don't worry about that. It's the... This is the point at which we like start to get an actual cohesive plot. But the plot that we get is so batshit... But yeah. I can't hold it in my brain. I, I I basically from this point on, I just process it on a scene by scene basis, mm-hmm. and the bits that I cannot and there's large chunks of it. Where I'm just like that is just like 
It's like having a bowl of soup and every so often there's just like a fucking bouncy ball or something. Yeah, they're just like, I'll just have to eat around that. Because <laughs> yeah. it won't, it physically, it, it's inedible. I can't <laughs> process that. So that, that everything around the Eye of Harmony basically comes under that for me. <laughs> it's, it's maddening, isn't it? It is. It's such a bizarre film. So anyway, Gra- Grace runs away and hides at her house. Yeah, the Doctor has until midnight to save the Earth because it's the Millennium, and when Earth begins to randomly fail, it seemingly only affects Grace's windows at first. So yeah. the Doctor walks through, at which point Grace calls an ambulance. Yeah. Um, the Doctor loses twenty pounds in twenty minutes as the weather begins to go a bit mad. Yeah, sure. Um. The news talks about the Millennium for a bit. There's a big atomic clock. And the ambulance arrives that Grace called. And of course driving it is the Master, disguised as Bruce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Chang is driving the ambulance. Yes. So the Doctor orders them to take them to the Institute, which is where <laughs> yeah. this atomic clock is being held. So earlier on, the Doctor said he needed this atomic clock to stop all this planning. Um, yeah. And it turns out Grace is on like the board of directors at this institute that just has an atomic clock. Yes. And it's the big atomic clock that's going to be used to bring in the Millennium. It's the most accurate atomic clock on Earth, they say. Yeah, great. Cool. So the ambulance has to break hard because there's like a traffic problem, mm-hmm. which forces the master's sunglasses to fall off. And the doctor sees he has like horrible snake cat eyes. Yes, yeah. Again, who knows? Who knows why? So, in order to maintain the ruse that he is not the master and, you know, maintain his disguise, Mm -hmm. he just starts spewing acid everywhere, (laughs) Grace. (laughs) Fucking. Yeah, that comes out of the blue, doesn't it? I guess they're just going full on. Has he ever had that power before? Not that I can recall. I don't. I don't really recall Roger Delgado in the middle of having a sort of gallant fencing match with the Doctor, just to be like, "Oh, I don't. I know. I'll just spit some acid in your eyes." Yeah. And whilst it seems to blister Grace, it like it's not a lasting injury. It's yeah. more like he's rubbed her with some nettles. Yeah, it sort of comes into play a little bit later, I think. Mm. But we'll we'll get there. So, the Doctor shoots him with fire extinguisher. Yeah. So, he and Grace can run away. And yeah. And they offer a policeman a jelly baby. Uh-huh. I do quite like this scene with the policeman as well. I especially like the Doctor's plan here where he takes the gun. Mm-hmm. And then, rather than threatening the police officer with the gun, says... Now will you step aside or I'll shoot myself? So like <laughs> that feels very doctory to me. Yeah, doesn't want to scare or upset anyone else. Yeah. He's, well, I mean yeah. he will if he had to shoot himself, but yeah, but he's he didn't want a threat to take it, someone but... else's life. No, exactly. Yeah. So um that's quite fun. So they um, accost the police motorbike. Yeah. And are chased by Chang and the Master. Yeah. And I've just put in big red pen. How the hell does this film have 30 minutes left at this point? It's a, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. This was actually this was the point at which I stopped for the day and came back to it another day. Um, because I was just like, 
I don't think I can take any more of this right now. It gets so loud. Yeah, I, um, I watched it in incessant. two halves. Yeah. Um, normally, if I watch a 45-minute episode, I watch that in two halves. But I watch this in two 45-minute seatings. And yeah. Yeah. It, it just it's keeps going on forever. It does, doesn't so it? Anyway. They, they yeah. arrive at the Institute. And then I've put in my notes here, the security man is good at his job. However, this is irrelevant to the plot. So there's a bit yeah. where it's like, oh, can we go in? And he's like, no. No, you can't. It's off limits. And they ask for ages and it goes on and yeah. on and on. And then ultimately it just, they walk they away anyway. and the camera lingers on this security guard as if to say, you know, well done, son. Good job there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I, yeah. I, I, I don't understand what that passage is trying to do. I don't, because, I don't think they knew either, to be honest, Matt. Because I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. They're trying to get to this atomic clock, and he says yeah. no, and they make a big deal out of him saying no, but yeah, pretty they, much they the next shot anyway. is them at the atomic clock. <laughs> yeah. You know? So they, they, they steal the, the, the one element from it that they need. Yeah. Um, um, so they keep saying the master's on his last life and the doctor's yeah. half human. Yeah. Although... I can't remember. How does the master come back when we've seen him as Mister Saxon, or is it is it Professor Yana the, that we see? Him Professor first? Yana is is the next time that the, the master is on screen. So the doctors used the com- no the chameleon arcs like. I can't. This how does he wind do up going from here to there? We don't know. It is not explicitly stated. Yeah, because um, if he's running out of lives, any- I've seen him be an old man. A young yeah. man. Yeah. And, and in we, fact, we, can, we have to assume that we saw him get point... brought back by a potion, didn't we? Yeah, we did. So yeah, he's on his last life, but I've seen him have three more. Yeah. So the last time, it, so he goes away at the end of this and it's kind of deliberately vague as to what happened to him in that context. Presumably he has some other harebrained scheme in the meantime, maybe he targets a different Time Lord. Um, but yeah, so something must have happened between the end of this and in, in which he has ended up with a new set of regenerations. Mm-hmm. What, however that is, whether it's a case that he has taken over another Time Lord body or, or, or what it is. And then subsequent to that, in order to escape the Time War... You know, he did the thing of turning himself human using a comedian arch, and um, and that's how we end up with Professor Yana. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a lot of question marks in the middle there that yeah. we just don't know. So they break into the clock. They bump into Gareth. Yeah. Starring oh yeah, this is a whole thing that doesn't need to be in this film. No. So they give him a jelly baby. Yeah. Uh, they say Chang and the Master. Everyone is covered in slime. <laughs> yeah. You know, as you do. Yeah. They climb up to the roof. Yeah. And they come down on a hose pipe. And yeah. The only other time I've seen that done in a film is Die Hard, where it's like uh-huh. a massive action set piece. Yeah. But this is just the Doctor and Grace slowly floating <laughs> down to the ground. Yeah, just tootling along. And it's like in the background of the shot. Yeah. Um, I guess it's pleasingly understated, maybe. So they escape on the bike and go back to the TARDIS. Uh, 
there's a bit I quite liked here where the police bike rides into the TARDIS and then straight back out. It's a pretty fun gag, I yeah. guess. Yeah. So the TARDIS is dying and the Doctor closes the eye. Yeah. And then this bit, I, in a, in a very nonsensical film, this bit makes no sense. Yeah. So the Doctor says he wants to go to a minute after midnight. Then he wants to go back before the eye ever opened. And then he's going to jumpstart the TARDIS. And he just I, talks no, no. about going back and forth for ages. Yeah. But this is where we get the one bit of the film I vividly remember. Okay, go for it. And when I say I vividly remember it, I remember it very differently. Yeah. So the moment Grace is possessed and... She gets like her big dark black eyeballs. Yeah, that is the one image I could recall from really? this film. Yeah, that, did it, that it's, freak it you was out very different in my mind's eye because obviously yeah. here they're in that like churchy bit of the TARDIS. Yes. Whereas I seem to recall she was like outside on like a New York street, looking up at the sky, and there was lightning everywhere and but it was probably just That's confusion in my own mind it's, it's amazing how memories especially like childhood memories of that era they could like stuff can get morphed and, and twisted over mm. the years but but yeah but obviously that, that, that was the bit that freaked you out enough to leave a bit of an imprint that one image where you see her face and her eyes are yeah. blacked out is the one thing yeah because i, I won't lie i watched an hour and a half of this film, and I was like, "Have I even watched this?" Because the one thing I remember isn't in <laughs> hasn't this film. Yet. Yeah. Um, so I was glad that that came up. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so she then hits the doctor. Yeah. And this is, I'm going to say, the worst part of the film. The worst, but funniest bit is uh-huh. where the master approaches in his Gallifreyan uh, garb. Yeah. And it reminds me. I don't know if you've seen the Street Fighter film. Where, I haven't, no. Where we get M. Bison at the end. Okay. Who's played by Raul Julia. Okay. And he basically took that role because he was very unwell at the time. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to do it for his children who loved the computer sure. game. And it's sure. such an over-the-top villain performance. And that's what mm-hmm. we get here. The master goes yeah. from like quite cold and calculated to really campy he's got the huge collar and he's like well 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 doctor you've fallen (laughs) for my trap and Uh, yeah no the specific line and i love his delivery of it is i always dress for the occasion yeah and it's just like oh it's it's delightful yeah i've seen that meme over and over again it is the cherry on top of a big old turd cake yeah i love it yeah um, so yeah, the doctor tries to convince Chang, uh, to help him. Yeah. Grace helps pin the doctor down and we've got like a minute to mon minute to midnight montage here. Yeah. So we know yeah. time's running out. Yeah. I guess kind of. Um, so <laughs> then, so yeah, then the doctor's like, he's, he's all sort of chained up. He's got the clockwork orange, uh, eyeball openers yeah i don't know what you'd call those oh yeah like we haven't mentioned that yeah that, like they put him in like a full metal head collar with the yeah. one that the master holds up it's got like loads of inward spikes spikes yeah it's proper kinky shit isn't it yeah 
But yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a very strange choice. I also like that the bit that's holding his eyes open is so far away from his face; he could blink at any moment if he wanted to. (laughs) So, back with our friend Gareth, he tells the professor back at the institute that the clock won't start. And that's mm. because the doctor took a part to help him fix the TARDIS. Yeah, the master doesn't sli- seem to matter, by the way. Oh no, not that doesn't that, that absolutely doesn't resolve not at all. at all. Like later on, we see the the professor, and he's not distraught or anything. He's still happily counting down to midnight. Well, not just that, but when they fix the TARDIS, they yeah. literally just lie under the console and rip wires out as hard as they can. Yeah, like yes. there's no. Yeah. There's no finesse. The the idea that Grace would have a fucking clue what she's doing under that console. Oh yeah, is so bizarre. Like being a cardiologist somehow makes you an expert in aliens, space time machine engineering. Yeah, I uh, again, that's not the hill yeah. to die on for this film. It's not. It's not. But there are so you're spoiled for choice, aren't yeah. you? This film. So the master slips up and says he's wasted all his life. So Chang realizes yeah. he was lying. Yeah. Uh, so just to punish him for betraying him, the master just snaps Chang's neck. Yeah. Dick move. Yeah. Smell you later. Par for the course. Uh, he then kisses Grace to make her human again because yeah. the eye will only open with human eyes. Yeah. Gross and unnecessary. Yeah, so Grace currently has like monster eyes, but that's resolved when the monster, yeah. the master kisses her. The master's yeah. got horrible snake eyes, mm-hmm. and the doctor's only got half human, half Gallifreyan eyes. Yeah, it's all about the eyes. This film. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, she opens the eye, but the doctor then, because she's human once more, the doctor tells her to go jumpstart the TARDIS whilst the master's weak. Yeah. And would you believe it, she succeeds on the stroke of midnight. Hooray. And they go back in time now. Yeah. And I've just put the monster. I keep calling him the monster. It's the master. My handwriting is just so awful. The master throws her to death. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem to be the impact that kills her. He doesn't kill her before throwing her. She just sort of dies mid-flight and hits the deck. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's bizarre. Yeah, because she absolutely ragdolls when she hits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, well. So he throws her after she frees the Doctor. The Doctor has a little scuffle with the Master and shoots the eye of Harmony at him by reflecting it through a lens in one of the staffs. Sure, okay. Yeah. Uh, he uh, offers... Uh, I, th- I suppose this is fairly in keeping with what we've seen. He does offer to save the Master. Yeah. You know, he's willing to forgive him, but the Master sure. refuses. So the Master is, like, sucked into the tar- uh, the eye. The, the eye of harmony, somehow. Yeah. 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 So they're now back in time, and the eye yeah. revives Chang and Grace. Yeah. Just because it feels like it. Just because it can. Yeah. So the master then says... Sorry, the doctor then says the master's been eaten. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember this from early on in the film, but I certainly noticed it towards the end. We hear the classic TARDIS noise. I'm not certain we hear it when it materialises at the beginning. We do. We do. do. They're consistent with that. Uh, I didn't didn't notice it, but I've very much noticed it here. 
Yeah. Uh, then I've put everyone loves the millennium. They do. We we do love the millennium. You've got to, yeah. you've got to admit you I, love the millennium, don't you, Matt? I, I spent it at my auntie's house playing Virtua Fighter on the Sega Saturn with my cousins and my brothers. Oh my god, I'm so jealous. Don't be. Spent... It was awful. Well, I spent it at my uncle's house, bored out of my fucking mind, mm. with no games console in sight. At least you had access to a console. Yeah, so there would have been, at least, so me and two brothers, three cousins, there was at least five of us playing. Yeah. I seem to, th- I think there was more, because we had like a big family event yes. for it. Yeah. But my oldest cousin, because it was his console... Uh, in terms of winner stays on, whether he won or lost, he just stayed on. So everyone had to fight him. Uh, that's um, a bit crap. I remember I beat him and he went absolutely mental. Because <laughs> I beat him by like absolute shithousery. Like yeah. I picked the cheapest character and did the cheapest moves. And yeah, I don't think I was allowed to play again after that. <laughs> so yeah, the Millennium. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was we mental. Love it. it was we mental. We love yeah. it. We parted like it's nineteen ninety nine, like Prince. We did, we did. Yeah, um, I think at the time of the millennium, I was probably more interested in the Willennium, which was uh, Will Smith's Millennium album. Yeah, I think it had yeah. getting jiggy with it on it. Sure, great, yeah. great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so Chang gives the Doctor his sonic screwdriver back. And the doctor just says, you may as well keep the gold. Yeah. And he tells him not to be here next year. That's like an ominous threat. That goes it nowhere. is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, he just Although, scampers off. Do you think he means that in terms of, like, where he is in his life? As if to say, like, I don't want to see you <laughs> put this money Still into Asian gang culture in a year's time. Yeah, um, I, I don't think so. I think he's like alluding to something that is going to happen. That who maybe if it had gone to series, maybe they would have explored that. Yeah, but uh, twas not to be. Or maybe the Doctor knew he was like, "Don't yeah. come back next year," because um, yeah. I'm not going to be here. It's been cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this whole movie's been a bust. Yeah. So but anyway, the Doctor invites Grace to travel with him. Yeah. But she invites him. To travel with her. And again, I really like this. Mm. That's a really strong, interesting character choice. I don't think we've ever seen it before or since. The whole flipperoo of just like, no, why should I come with you? Yeah. You like me. If you like me, stay here. Mm. Yeah. You know, because to be fair, she does. Yeah, she's his, her relationship seems to be down the toilet, but she's still, you know, got. A, a career that she's happy with and is very good at. because she left the hospital. You know. Yeah, but she could obviously get another job elsewhere. I like, don't know. Maybe her name's been dragged through the mud because of her well, unprofessional maybe. conduct. Maybe. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, no, I do like it as a character moment. H- how do you feel about Grace as a, as a sort of... I'll go on record. I'll call her a companion. Yeah. Um, I, I'd maybe put her in the tier below... My absolute favourite. She's okay. Yeah, she's and, fine. You know, I, I she's like got a few character a, traits that make her stand out. Definitely. I think with with a bit more exploration, she could have come into a, her own and been a really interesting character. And without... I mean, I know my sort of knowledge is limited. 
I, I think she's very much a classic Who companion rather than a modern Who. Yeah. I think um, that the modern ones, we get to see everything around them. And then, again, my experience is that classic companions are sort of defined by one character trait, if you know what I mean. So yeah, I think, they'll have one, one or two, maybe. I think the fact that she's a doctor would have been like played on heavily. Definitely, you know, I, I think so. Um, yeah, I think. But I'm I'm glad it didn't continue with her because, like, yeah. you know, just to wrap this up, they share a kiss. Yeah, and I wouldn't want to see that for a full series. No, I think they would have had to have. They would have had to have found found a way around that becoming like just yeah the the whole like, idea of them just sort of like palling around like as a couple yeah I think would have gotten very old very fast. Um, so then the doctor gets on the TARDIS and it disappears. He has a little relax. It sort of mirrors yeah. the opening scene and the record skips again. Yeah. The end. Uh, and his final words are, "Oh no, not again." Yeah. So. What? And it ends on like a sort of cartoon comedy twang noise. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that. It's really odd and unnecessary. Yeah. And I think, but in some ways, it's like the perfect note on which to end. It's just like, yeah, boing! <laughs> just part yeah. of the cast for this. So, yeah. one question that sort of come up. Yeah, from our listeners as well as on Reddit. So the most yeah. recent person that's asked it is Chris, one of our listeners. Yeah, Hi, would Chris. you have liked to have seen the fo- the following series? Not at the expense of the two thousand and five series. I would have loved to have seen a series with McGann and nothing else from this film. Yeah, I mean, uh, not he- even the theme tune. Oh, give me that. Give me that all day. Keep the theme tune. Keep the logo. I haven't mentioned the logo. I really like this logo. I think it's very telling that after this film came out, for a long period, it was the standard logo that was used across novels, comics, audio releases. It became the sort of like standard classic logo on all merchandise, well into the New Who series as well. Like... um. You know, a, a, a lot of the, the, the merch and stuff that I've got all has that a version of that logo on. I think it's a really strong logo. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I I love McGann as a doctor. Yeah. And but you know, there's there is there are so many audio adventures, and and maybe we wouldn't have got Big Finish to where it is now, and and the amazing work that they do if. We didn't have. And I, I've if, said if it this before. If I, if I was to delve into, you know, Big Finish, yeah, it, he'd be the Doctor I'd be most interested in listening to. Yeah, you I know, think we I, are going to do something. I've got a good feel for all the others. I sort of yeah. know what they're about. Yeah, and where they go, but there's, I like that mystery around him. Yeah, there is. You can you can feel it. There is untapped potential by the end of this movie. It's such a strong casting choice. Um, and yeah, it's just completely wasted on this just absolute g- giddy train wreck. Yeah. Movie. I, I mean, let, let me ask you two questions. Yes, go on. First question. 
Is this a good film? No. Absolutely not. Second question. Is this a good Doctor Who adventure? No. So, And that's one of the reasons why I do not like it. But, but having said all that, I do find myself grinning at bits of it yeah, and just I, like i didn't think it was a good film and no i again i have limited knowledge mm-hmm. i didn't think it was a good doctor who adventure in keeping with what i know of the character no but i really quite enjoyed it It was. A good it's like you could book. have you could have a good time with it is yeah. the thing it's like it's it's as one of the closest times that, that doctor who gets to into that sort of so bad it's good territory hmm you know, I'm not. I'm not saying this is like the room of Doctor Who, but it's sort of treading those waters at times. Maybe I, I don't know. I, it's. I, I think we could find some fan film that wouldn't be entirely dissimilar to this. <laughs> That's the thing. It does kind of have an almost glorified fan fiction quality to it. Mm. Um, but then again, you can kind of make the argument that all Doctor Who since about the mid-1970s is fan fiction, you know? Yeah. You get you hit a certain point and basically everyone who's writing for the show is writing for the show because they were fans of what had come before. Um, and certainly New Who, all of that is essentially fan fiction. Mm. But, um, so yeah, that doesn't preclude it from being good. But yeah, ultimately it is a bit of a mess. And I'm glad that that if if it t- if this is what it this failing is what it took for us to get what we have now, then I am extremely glad that it failed. Mm. Uh, and I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that. And I think we we yeah, this is probably a good point at which to to wrap up and say, Cheerio. thanks for listening. This is the end of the podcast. Yeah, um, well, ninety nine episodes. That, but dear listener, we'll be back next keep... week with our new Robot Wars podcast. You bring you the robots, a... we bring the wars. <laughs> if you keep your eye on your podcast feeds at some point between now and next Saturday... You'll see me little... organising the day of action where we all ring the BBC <laughs> to bring Robot Wars back. <laughs> we will be having a little treat um, where Matt and I will be discussing the Night of the Doctor. Right. We, so We need to stop doing this where you just what? fucking throw more <laughs> Doctor Who at me. <laughs> One episode of Doctor Who a week was the arrangement. Now I'm watching that fucking was. docudramas about the writing of the show. Bonus <laughs> episodes coming out my ass. Just, <laughs> just stop. Uh, and on that note, thank you very much for listening. <laughs> Cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.